You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health Podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. I'm Teresa McKee, your host for A Mindful Moment. Thank you for joining me today as we explore ways to increase our mindfulness in our day-to-day experiences. Let's start with the breath. The breath is our most powerful tool for getting centered, grounded, and calm. If you're able to, breathe in through your nose for a count of one, two, three, four. Now slowly release the breath through the mouth for a count of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One more time. In, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Repeat this breath work anytime during the day when you feel stress rising or when you notice you've lost your focus. If you'd like to follow a guided meditation, please visit our YouTube channel at Work to Live. I can't believe it, but this is our 100th episode of this podcast. We started out with only about 50 downloads per episode a little over two years ago, and we're really happy about that, as our goal was simply to spread mindfulness. Today, A Mindful Moment has more than 100 times that number of downloads per episode, and we're approaching 350,000 total downloads and still growing. We're also in the top 1.5% out of the almost 2 million podcasts out there and ranked in the top 100 for mental health podcasts. So, an enormous thank you to our listeners. We're so grateful that you found our broadcast in this giant pool, and more importantly, that you are interested in becoming more mindful. Considering today's political, social, and economic environment, We definitely need more mindfulness in the world. Reflecting on the beginnings of this podcast, I realized just how much has changed in two years. I had been a solo act at Work to Live until a few months before that first mindful moment when we added our first employee. Then we added a second a couple of months later. And now we have a team of five, producing the podcast in English and Spanish, as well as creating and conducting workshops, trainings, retreats, 
and participating in several health education projects across L.A. County. When the pandemic hit, we changed the format of the podcast to address dealing with the resulting stress and anxiety it provoked and brought in outside guests for the first time to provide a broader perspective on how to cope. We went from weekly live events to an all-virtual platform, transforming every presentation we had and creating new ones to fit the needs of the abrupt disruptions in our work and home life. After a beta run, we had just launched our dynamic coaching certification program right before the widespread shutdowns occurred, and after getting through that cohort, revamped that program too, so that it was self-paced to meet the needs of people struggling to adapt to all of the massive changes we've all experienced. After hundreds of workshops, lots of program reconfigurations, adapting to remote work, and now hitting our 100th podcast episode, it feels like we might get to settle down into a regular routine. Maybe. But even if more disruption occurs, we have already shifted into our new reality. So even with bumps in the road, we're no longer operating in reactive mode, but moving back into a proactive approach and focusing on long-term strategies again. This brings me to today's topic. When we go through massive and constant change over a period of time, it can create a reactive atmosphere, where one is simply jumping to address one challenge as the next one appears, whether personally or professionally. And with what's occurred over the past year, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but it's not where we want to stay any longer than necessary. We're hitting the one-year anniversary of this pandemic, and that's a good marker to prompt reflection and perhaps a shift back to responding to life's events rather than reacting. Whether you need to re-regulate personally, whether you have your own business, or whether your employment is continuous or has been disrupted, it's time to start determining what you want and where you want to go. Do you have the same desires and goals that you had a year ago? For many, the answer is no. We've been through a lot. We've had lots of time for self-examination, and we've seen the entire world through a new lens. That's bound to have changed many people's aspirations, as well as their values. Relationships have changed, whether at home or at work. For many, health conditions have changed. And unfortunately, many more have had economic changes that have severely impacted their pre-pandemic conditions. It feels like we've experienced a reckoning related to the path we were on before the pandemic and have had our eyes opened as to the acuteness of racial inequalities, the lack of social justice, the inadequacies of our infrastructure, and the inefficiencies and ineffectiveness of many major leaders and institutions around the globe. The cumulative effect of everything we've experienced goes beyond change. It has been transformative for many people. What's the difference between change and transformation? Changes use external influences to modify actions, but transformation modifies beliefs, so actions become natural and thereby achieve the desired result. Reacting to external circumstances, we change our behaviors, like receiving an unpleasant medical diagnosis, so we change our eating patterns, or like the pandemic, requiring us to change how we work. Change is typically driven by something external, and we then look at that past event and change something about ourselves or our situations to adjust or fix whatever occurred. 
transformation springs internally. We have recognized the way we are in the world, how we have responded to it, and have identified a need to feel different, to interact differently, or to adjust our belief system to better align with the reality we find ourselves in. Transformation is less focused on the past and more future-oriented. Based on where we are now, we assess where and how we want to move forward. Considering what we have witnessed as to how our world works, many feel a need to do something about it now, as witnessed by the large number of peaceful protests around the world, through civil unrest, and, unfortunately, through violence or conspiratorial machinations. But these are more change-oriented than transformative because they are external events prompting external actions. Could there be a mindful approach to where we find ourselves today, shifting our internal beliefs and responses through conscious leadership that might move us closer to where and how we want to be? Today's guest, Carly Hauck, is a leadership development consultant, author, speaker, and serves as adjunct faculty at Stanford University and UC Berkeley Haas School of Business, teaching on the subject of leadership and business as a platform for positive change in the world. She has served to cultivate leadership skills and create thriving workplaces and mission-driven businesses for many Fortune 100 companies. In her upcoming book, Carly guides readers on a transformational inner-to-outer journey to inspire a new workplace and world that works for everyone and prioritizes people and planet first. She is also the host of the inspiring Shine podcast, interviewing leaders on the practices and tools they use to lead and influence business to be a force for good in the world. Welcome, Carly. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Teresa. I'm looking forward to this conversation. And uh, let's start off with why don't you share the name of the book and when it's coming out? So my book is Shine, Ignite Your Inner Game to Lead Consciously at Work and in the World, and it will be debuting tomorrow, February 23rd, 2021. Excellent. So exciting. Yes, that's very exciting. Now, obviously, the book is geared toward leaders, but in reading it, it really feels like it's applicable to a lot of people that may not be in leadership roles. So would you agree with that? Who do you think this book could really support and help sort of transform what they're doing? Yeah, I love that you asked that. So I actually feel like anyone who feels called to lead could benefit from this book. And so many of us are feeling that call, maybe more so than ever. In this huge transition that we've all been in with the pandemic and quarantine, I, I feel like if there is something that you feel really passionate about that you want to change for the better, to really bring your best to your workplace or to the world, then this book will give you the tools and skills and also the blueprint to step into that more. But in addition to, you know, the person that's waiting for the call or hasn't heard the call or maybe is still deciding to act on the call, I'd say it's really beneficial for HR professionals, people in learning and leadership development, emerging leaders, middle managers, senior leaders, entrepreneurs, students that are currently looking to go into business school or are already enrolled in business school. So there's there's quite a large population I feel like the book could serve at this point. I agree. 
And I think a lot of people are feeling the call and they just don't know what to do. They don't know what steps to take. Some of what people are trying to do may have good intentions, but it's kind of all over the place. So I think mm -hmm. it's really timely to have this blueprint. One of the things that you talk about a lot is conscious leadership within organizations. And my personal opinion is after decades of what I think of as organizations kind of running amok, I'm hoping there's a trend toward more consciousness in organizations. And I'm wondering if you see that. And also if you think the younger generations entering the workforce are having an impact on that. Mm -hmm. Great question. Well, I believe that we need more of it. We need more conscious and inclusive leaders. And that's really what the book is about. It's really a how to be a conscious and inclusive leader. That is prioritizing people and planet. And I feel that there are conscious and inclusive leaders, and we also need a lot more of them. And so again, the, the book is really highlighting how do we cultivate these conscious and inclusive qualities on the inside, because the inner game rules the outer game. So whatever we are developing on the inside shows up on the outside. And being that you've worked in this field for a long time, you know, it, one example is if I'm really willing to be with the difficult emotions in myself, you know, without pushing them away, without making them wrong, the more that I can be with that discomfort, my triggers, and I can bring kindness and acceptance and understanding, then when another person expresses emotions or they're triggered, I have so much more compassion and capacity to be with that person and whatever state they're showing up. And I can have more forgiveness for that person because I've been able to actually offer that to myself first. So that's how it shows up on the outside. And that to me is a sign of consciousness and, and, and actually fosters greater inclusion, greater belonging. Going to your question of, do I feel like the younger generations are fostering this momentum of conscious and inclusive leadership? Definitely. I don't have the quotes in front of me at the moment, but I mean, I think that 60% of our workforce is the millennial and Gen Z population. And study after study has shown that they will take a pay cut to work for a mission-driven organization that is committed to social justice, to environmental justice, who is really leaving a positive impact on the planet versus one that's just focused on profit and capitalism which is not always super conscious. So I definitely feel that that is the way that we're headed. And B Corps, which is a benefit corporation or companies that are really aligned with making certain commitments towards you know, social, environmental, racial justice. These companies actually have been on a rise in the last year since the pandemic. There's actually been a 40% increase in businesses that are looking to obtain B Corp certification because they see that the old way of doing business is not working. And that's super inspiring to me. Me too. And I really do agree with that. Something that I noticed throughout the book, which is there's a real emphasis on journaling. And I'm wondering if you can just share with us why you felt that was important for people to journal. Hmm. Yeah. Great, great noticing on your end. Well, I've been a writer for a very long time and since I was a little girl and I 
I like having my morning pages, so to speak, as part of my practice. So I've been meditating since I was 19, and that's over 20 years at this point. And, you know, every morning I'll, I'll do my practice, which is typically some yoga, some embodiment, some movement, just kind of shaking it out and then sitting. And, and then usually some insights might come or, you know, some affirmations that I actually want to really cultivate deeper. And so I think the journaling allows us to integrate the practices that we're learning, the insights that we're having. And it's one thing to just have it be here, but when we write it down, there's a reflection process that can happen. There's, there's a witnessing of ourselves that can be then brought to, you know, a friend or potentially a healer or a therapist or a coach. And so I think it really just helps us deepen our practice into daily life. And that is why I invited the journaling. That's great. And I agree. I, I started journaling way before I started studying mindfulness. It was a way to really connect and really, you do get insights. So when we try to tell people, just take the time. It's so worth it because it really allows your system to kind of focus in on what's happening. And then you do get those aha moments or ideas or, you know, just what you want to focus on or set the intention for, for the day. So I think that's great. I wanted to ask you to explain a little bit for people who haven't heard the terms inner game and outer game, because that is really the structure of the book and the mm -hmm. six components of the inner game that lead to the outer game. Well, what I was sharing before is that our, that our inner game rules the outer game. So again, whatever I'm cultivating or thinking or feeling or sensing on the inside typically will show up on the outside. And so when we think about conscious leadership at work in the world, which is the essence of my book, if you have a person on the inside that, let's say, has a really strong inner critic and is pretty impatient and hasn't learned how to navigate their triggers and tends to react versus respond, all of that shows up on the outside. And I would actually say some of those behaviors are pretty toxic when they are extended out into the workplace and into the world. That type of leader will create fear. They typically are leading for more of a scarcity mindset than a generosity-based mindset. And that will have a ripple effect in the entire company. And then that will actually impact the product that they're putting out into the world. So I don't actually see the inner game as something that's insignificant. I actually see it as incredibly impactful. So what we're feeding, I like to use foodisms because my grandmother and grandfather were uh, caterers and cooks when I was a kid. What we're feeding is really important. And what I mean by that is what thoughts am I nourishing? You know, how am I taking care of myself? Am I, am I really lingering in more of these negative emotional states or is this ability to grow my mindset to shift into gratitude? to shift into, you know, really looking at the gift of the situation, even when it's very difficult. And so going back to what the inner game qualities are, there, there are so many that I could pick, but I find less is more. And in my work with leaders and managers and companies like LinkedIn and Pixar and Cliff Bar and Intel, uh, so many that I have been 
privileged to serve in the last decade, I've noticed a certain level of qualities and traits that I really see in conscious and inclusive leaders that I've worked with and served. And so those are self-awareness, emotional intelligence, which really encompasses the ability to self-manage, the ability to be aware of the other, you know, how are they feeling? What are they needing? And then that leads to greater empathy, relationship mastery. So that's all in the in the emotional intelligence quadrant, resilience, love, because I believe love is a choice that we can keep deepening and cultivating well-being that really comes back to self-care. How are we taking care of ourselves? And then therefore, how does that extend to taking care of others and also taking care of the planet? And then lastly, authenticity. Am I willing to be vulnerable? Am I willing to show up as me? And in fact, before the call, I was telling you that the Wi-Fi that I have right now was not been working and we're shifting that. And I'm literally in a neighbor's basement of his daughter. And so I feel like I'm in a teenager's room and I am, and this is me just being authentically me, right? Just, just showing, wow, she's a leadership consultant. She's got hangers in the background, <laughs> but you know what? This is, this is life. This is, this is us bringing our whole self to work and that's okay. It actually gives everybody else permission to show up messy, you know, not always perfect because that's just who we really are. Absolutely. I see it all the time because now all of our workshops are virtual and so many people are struggling on a deep level with dealing with uncertainty and not being able to control their environment and not being able to control their workspace, you know, all of those things that have come into play in the last year. And I see it come up on screen and it's relax. We're all in the same boat. <laughs> it's we're all, yeah. we're all now, we have to be who we are now. There is no more need, I guess, to try to put on a different mask or try to pretend you're something that you're not, or try to pretend you're somewhere that you're not, you know, whatever it is. I think that this has been a really interesting exercise over the past year that a lot of us are learning from, which is to let go of the stuff that doesn't matter and focus mm -hmm. on what's important. So I love that you're in the teenager's basement because that's a great example. <laughs> Uh, one thing that we do ask everyone who's on the show is obviously you meditate, you have a wonderful practice, and I can tell by your demeanor, you know, you really walk your talk, but we all, because we're human, do get stressed. And when you get stressed in the middle of something and you can't go meditate, do you have a go-to practice that you use to get yourself quickly grounded or recentered or just back into a state of calm? Hmm, that's a great question. Well, nature is my refuge, always has been. So for me, I'm going to give you a few because uh, okay. I, I, I have lots of tools that I, that I lean on. But for me, being close to nature and even just looking outside, for example, like I'm looking outside right now and there's, I'm, I'm in Mill Valley, California today, which is one of my favorite cities in the world. And it's just an epic day. It's blue skies, super green. That just gives me such a sense of peace and calm. It's like, no matter what is going on right now, I'm good. I'm good. Like just be in the awe, be in the beauty of, of what nature is providing in this moment to me. And so really soaking that up. But what also helps if I can't access that in that moment, we hold all of our feelings in our physical bodies. And I feel a lot. I'm highly empathic. I always have been. So for me, I have to move it out. 
And so that could be like, ah, you know, just sounding is really helpful or jumping up and down or shaking. I'm a big fan of shaking. And if I still can't really ground myself, I'll actually just like imagine the energy coming down. Cause a lot of times when we're feeling unsettled, we have a lot of energy up in the head. There's a lot of, there's a lot of mind energy thinking about what's going to go wrong. I can't control this. I can't control that. And what I've learned from all my years of being a neuroscience nerd, and I write about this in the book as well, is that, you know, so many of our thoughts are not true. 70 to 80% of our thoughts are not true. This is known as the negativity bias. It's a real scientific term. And so if I can ground myself in my heart, in my body, where there's actually much more wisdom and truth, then I can see that even in this moment, this difficulty, there's something here for me. Like if, if I can look at it from that lens, from that shift of instead of why is this happening to me? Because that gets into victim mentality and then we kind of feel the sense of helplessness, but rather, okay, it's not what I wanted. Wasn't, didn't see this coming. How is this for me? How can I grow from this? What can I control? in this moment and then take that next step. Beautiful. That's very helpful because I think everyone resonates to something different. And that's why we ask everyone because we really want people to know that everyone experiences that. You can't avoid all stress. You're gonna get stressed sometimes, but it's so important both for your mm -hmm. physical health, but also for your mental and emotional health to just have those tools. Maybe you use different ones each time. So I love that you gave us more than one. Maybe you always have one go-to. It doesn't really matter. It's a matter of, re of remembering that you have those tools and then using them in that moment. And it makes mm -hmm. such a difference to the rest of that encounter or that day or that relationship or exchange. So thank you very much for sharing that. You're welcome. Yeah, that's, that's part of the inner game of resilience. That's, that's why it's one of the, the conscious qualities. So is there anything else that you think is important for our listeners to know about the book to help them just understand how it might help not only serve them, but help them serve others in this sort of consciousness movement? Well, one of the things that I'd love to highlight, and I imagine it's, it's on all of our hearts and minds, is we have a really big problem right now that our humanity is facing. It is the largest problem, climate change. I've been studying the climate science for many years, and it was a real impetus for why I started writing Shine, which was over three years ago. And it has been said that we have less than 10 years to cut our emissions by 50%, or we will, we will endure incredible suffering as, as a species, as a planet. I mean, we're already in the Anthropocene where we have so many species that are just dying off every single day because the amount of resources that we are using is over capacity of what we actually have for all beings on this planet to thrive in the way that we're using them right now. But if we start today to really shift our ways, which means we have to get off of fossil fuels, it's not gonna happen overnight, but we have to really commit to this, if we really start to be mindful of our consumption, if we start to recognize like what you were saying before, you know, what really matters to me and 
ultimately, we don't need that much to be happy. Just capitalism and marketing has told us that we have to go outside of ourselves to feel happy. We need the car, we need the big house, we need the whatever, all the toys. Does that really make us happy? Does that really make us feel fulfilled? Does that bring us closer to our loved ones? Does it increase our health and well being? Not really. So there's a lot of focus again on this inner work that we all are being called to do so that we can create a workplace and a world that works for everyone, that is living in greater harmony with the planet, where we're not getting distracted by this lack of self-worth, which is why you know, we're going out trying to take, get all these things to make ourselves feel better. So when I really think about the book, the path and the qualities that I'm inviting people in is, is really to cultivate this greater inner belonging, this inner acceptance, this up-leveling of heart, mind, body, so that we can actually create the outer belonging in our workplace, in our world, with the planet, and recognize that we are not separate from each other. We are not separate from the earth. And it's time to really rebuild our home. That's lovely. I, of course, totally agree with that. And I think, again, out of all the negatives that have come out of the last year, some of the positives are extremely powerful. To me, one of them is understanding, even if you've never studied any of this and you don't practice this, a virus is one of the best examples to show us that we're all connected, right? And so to take from that to go, oh, well, that makes sense. Like if someone across the world has a virus and it's suddenly in my home, you know what I mean? It, we're connected and what we do impacts other people. I really appreciate that you also included in the book the importance for leaders to really grow their emotional intelligence because mm -hmm. that's the beginning. Self-awareness and emotional intelligence, you've got to cultivate those in order to understand mm -hmm. yourself better, which just makes spreading it and teaching it and sharing it so much more impactful and effective because you get rid of all that stuff, you know, all of that what I call nonsense, but all of that stuff that's really not important. So I really did enjoy reading the book and I thank you very much for writing it. And I'm very happy for our listeners to get to meet you. And I hope they all go out and buy the book. I think organizations are really the way to start shifting this. As individuals, we can't do a whole lot with the world. I've given up sort of on trying to shift governments. <laughs> so I'm thinking, yeah, corporations and companies and nonprofits, that's where we spend all of our time. So that's really, to me, sort of the incubator that we can really start making a change for ourselves, for our companies and for the planet. So yeah, I, I feel like business is the greatest possibility to create this positive influence and ripple effect in the world. Definitely. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Teresa. Thanks again to our guest, Carly Hauck, for her insights and enthusiasm in making the world a much better place through conscious leadership. Carly has four free virtual events coming up over the next few months, including How to Be a Conscious and Inclusive Leader on February 25th, The Role of Male Allies in Creating Cultures of Inclusiveness and Belonging on March 26th, Gender, Equity, and the Future of Work on April 21st, and How to Be a Climate Optimist on May 4th. Visit her website at harleyhauk.com slash community hyphen events.
And thanks again to you, our listeners, for continuing on your mindfulness journey. We really can make a difference for our own well-being, in our communities, and for the planet through mindfulness. Until next time, have a wonderful week. Mindfulness increases our emotional, physical, and mental well-being. It can also enhance our focus and productivity. Perhaps most importantly, mindfulness strengthens our empathy and compassion for others, which I believe we need more of in our world today. So practice mindfulness in everything you do. Spend at least a little time meditating every day. And remember to be kind to yourself and others. We're here to do more than just survive. We can thrive. All it takes to start is a mindful moment. Please subscribe to A Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee wherever you get your favorite podcasts and rate this podcast so that others can find us. Follow us on social media at work to live A Mindful Moment is written by Teresa McKee. The English version is hosted by Teresa McKee and the Spanish version is translated and hosted by Paola Tile. Intro music, Retreat by Jason Farnham. Outro music, Morning Stroll by Josh Kirsch, MediaWrite Productions. Thank you for tuning in. This podcast is produced by Work to Live Productions.